When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're back with the family, and of course, that means. Are you going to introduce yourself? Oh, that—that's what that—that's <laughs> well, that's what that was leading that was to. A, <laughs> in, an interesting way of doing it. Okay, this. ladies and gentlemen, with the family, starring. Starring. Yeah, yeah, well, which means I thought you were going to be like, we're all yeah. here having fun. Or something. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly what I was going to say. Anyway, Alex Bernard Rasmussen. Catherine Brandt. Andy Brandt-Bernard. And Cassie Schrader. Vince Wilson will join us right after this. We'll be talking weird and unusual history right after this. It's time for Team KQ Walzer's third annual Tour de Cure ride. Join me, Doug Sprinthal, Michael Bryant, and a ragtag group of riders as we raise money to fight diabetes. This year, the ride is Saturday, June 1st, and starts at Boom Island. We take the 26-mile route. It's a ride, not a race, so people of all abilities are welcome. It's a worthy cause that raises millions to support research for a cure for this terrible disease. Go to diabetes.org slash kqwalzer or email doug at walzer.com for more information. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. What band is this? Oingo Boingo. It's Oingo Boingo. Oh, yeah. It's been a while. Been a while. Ladies and gentlemen, our special guest, Weird and Unusual History, uh, making a ra- 
making a radio out of a cat, yeah. spy bats, and more. Uh, Vince Wilson with us. Vince, how are you? I'm all right. How you doing? Not too bad. I never realized that I could, I could do a morning show out of a cat. I didn't know that. <laughs> the radio cat. So, Vince, where do we start? Because uh, I tell you, I, I've been told uh, you're a hell of a guest, so I can't wait to hear some of the stories. Vince Wilson has always been interested in science and history and the unexplained since as far back as he can remember. A hypnotist and futurist joined the American Institute of Parapsychology, Wilson, is the author of Ghost Tech and Ghost Science. So, yeah, we like tech, we like science, we like ghosts, so we're in a good spot here, Vince. <laughs> well, thank you for having uh, having me on. I'm glad I was able to be on here in, with such short notice. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had a conversation a little while ago um, with Dave Schrader, and the topic started coming up of weird history. You know, and there's a lot of history, of course, and there's a lot of weird history out there you just you can't um get around that you know things of an unusual nature happen and it's it's crazy when you think about it of course we you, you talk about the paranormal a lot you know i talk about the paranormal a lot. and but that's a very debatable topic you know with the theories the application is it real is it true are they lying are they hallucinating all those sorts of things have to be taken into account however there's things that are crazy strange unusual and 100% real, undebatable history. So I was wondering, where would you like to start? Would you like to start with the human V, um, the acoustic kitty, or the bat bomb? I definitely want to hear about the acoustic kitty. <laughs> My yeah. wife wants to hear about the acoustic kitty. <laughs> you said the human V? No, she said she wants to hear the 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 acoustic, acoustic kitty. kitty. Yes. Oh, acoustic kitty. Okay, excellent. Okay. All right. So uh, during the Cold War, there was lots of attempts uh, from both sides to spy on the other. Obviously, a lot of amazing technology that we take for granted today came out of Cold War technological development. All right. Um, cell phones, mobile phones, you know, um, the the internet, you know, all these things were developed due to military funding. Um, some of them, you know, seem, you know, if you research some of that, you'll find out it, it seems, you know, altruistic. You know, oh, we got to share data between colleges and universities. Well, mm -hmm. you know, where do you think that money came from? <laughs> you know, um, the military, the U.S. government, also the KGB. You know, the, the USSR, China, and our, uh, you know, and our enemies at the time, some of them still borderline enemies today. All right. And one of the most um, amazing and horrible <laughs> technologies that were developed were, was acoustic hitting. All right. It was a CAI, CIA project um, launched by the, um, the CIA's Directorate of Science and Technology. The 1960s intended to use cats to spy on Kremlin and Soviet embassies. Now, they weren't thinking about other animals. They had considered uh, dogs and squirrels and birds. And the problem with those are it was just seen too unusual for these animals to be at a Soviet embassy. Even the dogs. You know, like, why would, it, why would you let a dog that's going to, you know, uh, a wild dog into your embassy? But a cat, on the other hand, a cat seems innocuous enough. 
Hmm. All right. I'm saying so what could what go you're... wrong. We'll get there. It does go wrong. <laughs> so so the, the people, they have been experimenting with the idea of operating directly on the human ear. Uh, that, you know, if they're using uh, medical technology and science to time used for uh, helping and possibly even curing the death. All right. And they had researched animal ear, to, you know, biology uh, to see if they could affect that. And they were able to wire and implant. And no, the cat, believe it or not, did not, did not suffer through this, although uh, PETA certainly would not have approved no. of this project, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, they had uh, put the cat, you know, under, as they say, uh, and surgically implanted a device into the cat's ear canal and then wired it all the way down from the base of the back of the head, you know that little fatty spot, the part you would pick up the kittens with? Yes. All right? The, the, the majority of electronics were implanted there, and they ran the rest of it down the spinal cord to the tip of the tail oh. in a long in, uh, surgical implant. The tail was used, believe it or not, you guess, as the microphone? an antenna. Okay. That's right, of course. Okay. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. The cat's tail was an antenna, all right? So the mission was to eavesdrop on, you know, the, the first attempt of it was to eavesdrop on two men in a park outside the Soviet compound in, on, on Wisconsin Avenue in Washington, D.C. The cat was released nearby, all right? <laughs> so they had trained the cat to try to uh, acclimate to humans very easily that they could, you know, point to it, but... The problem with that is the word training a cat. Yeah. <laughs> As you can imagine, that is something that any cat owner will tell you is implausible. The only thing they are trained, they can ever be trained to do is acknowledge the fact that their food is being opened. Exactly. All right? <laughs> so, or where the litter box is and where it's time to go to the bathroom. Right. All right? Um, but that's about it. So, according, there's two versions of the story. All right. The the first version is this: the, the cat was really aimed at the two people across the street having a conversation. Everything was on. the The CIA agents were in a van nearby with all the electronic equipment that the 1960s had to offer. The cat <laughs> was pushed out into this, you know, into the road to go across the street to spy on these two men. And in one version of the story, it was unfortunately the most likely and common version of the story, the cat was immediately hit by a taxi cat. Well, yeah, you throw a cat in the road, what's yeah. going to happen? Like I said, what could go wrong? That's right, that cat went flat. <laughs> that cat went flat. That's right. That's... Yeah, so however, however, there was a person who was part of this project, and yes, the project's official file name, Acoustic Kitty. Oh, my All right? God. And the how much did this cost? The project was until 1967, and one person associated with it said the equipment was taken out of the cat. And this is uh, Robert Wallace who said this, who was the former director of the CIA Office of Technical Service. Said the equipment was taken out of the cat 
The cat was re-stoned for a second time and lived a long, happy life afterwards. You know, but some people think, are yeah. pretty sure that it's actually just a nice little spin on a horrible, yeah. terrible idea. <laughs> so this had to, like, go to a committee and, and have a budget, and people had to say, yep, good yeah. idea. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's what is amazing more yeah. than anything yep. to me. Yeah. Well, think of the mentality that get movies that get terrible movies made. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, and that is probably what you're dealing with here. The Hollywood can, and the CIA should probably, you know, brainstorm at one point and try to work out their problem. Oh, you know? yeah. so, or just bring a person yeah, in with common sense. Lots of things sense. have gone through development stages, passed through every level of hierarchy that that agency has, and still, someone said, "Let's do that." Yeah. All right, that's a good idea, you know, and that probably is a good way of segueing into the bat bomb. Sorry, <laughs> so, no, I like it. I like you know, it. Okay, so you know, it's, it's another thing that reminds you of that old adage: never work with children and animals. Fortunately, I don't have any children stories that they really wired or put explosives into oh, children. Thank God. You know, but maybe that hasn't been declassified yet. Anyway, uh, the. Uh, the bat bomb. The bat bombs were an experimental World War II weapon developed by the United States. The bomb is consistent. I'm just reading this directly from a uh, something I found on the internet because it's an easy description. The bomb consisted of a bomb-shaped casing with over a thousand components, each containing a hibernating Mexican free-tailed bat with a small time incendiary bomb attached. Drop from a bomb at dawn, the crashing would deploy a parachute in mid-flight and open to release the bat, which would then disperse and roast, roost, I'm sorry, roost and ease and attics in a 20 to 40 mile radius. Well, first they'd roost, then they'd roast. Would, yeah. What's that? First they'd roost, yep, then they'd right. roast. <laughs> they roost, that's right. The now you're set on timers when they ignite and start fires in inaccessible places in the largely wood and paper construction of the Japanese cities that were the weapons intended targets. So this was a World War II weapon. Oh my God. Now it gets better. <laughs> so now so it gets better. Yes, yes. So who came up with this idea? Who was the, the person who developed this? Was it a biologist, an expert on bats perhaps? Or was it conceived by a Pennsylvania dentist named Lintel S. Adams, a friend of First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt? I'm guessing the dentist. <laughs> that is actually the <laughs> two the idea of the bat bomb, a dentist from Pennsylvania. Wow. <laughs> Adams submitted to the White House in January 1944, 1942, where it was subsequently approved by President Roosevelt, oh. Roosevelt on the advice of Donald Griffith, God. another advisor. Uh, yeah, so, so yes. Now, here's what's interesting about this. As crazy as this is, the bat bomb worked, okay? Whoa. Now, it took two years, of, uh, I'm sorry, three years of development from the point it was approved by Roosevelt in 1942 until it was actually ready to be deployed. So the bat, during one of its initial testing phases, the um, some of the bats came out of hibernation too quickly. What they were trying to find is the balance between cooling them down, which would cause hibernation, mm. and warming them up, which would awaken them. Okay. One of their tests awakened them too early, 
the bats, which had the incendiary devices attached. Now, remember, this is this is before their miniaturized remote controls. So these had essentially mechanical switches, you know, timers on them. Once they were released, that was it. They were going to catch on fire at some point. <laughs> so, um, so the bats escaped and flew into a hangar at the military base. They were testing this at. There we go. And, and of course, the timer went off. And, and that hangar exploded because it had munitions in it. It caught on fire and then blew up. It was No one was injured, thank goodness, but it also set on fire a general's car. Um, and <laughs> according to the documents, and it, because this was considered top secret at the time, the base commander was not allowed to know what caused the hangar to burn up. They were just told it's, it was an experiment, it's top secret, it's above your pay grade, basically. Uh, we only know about this decades later when the information was finally released to the general public. Yeah. So the bat bomb, the idea was because most Japanese houses were paper and wood, it would be released from the air. Uh, it would, it would, a parachute would uh, retract from the bat, slowing it down. It would tie all these mechanisms over a thousand parts and pieces inside the bomb would release the previously hibernating bats. Wake, wake them up and send them forth into the Japanese cities. However, the reason you never heard about this ending the war <laughs> or being deployed is because that when it was ready, it was already 1945. Wow. Ooh. The bomb. That's right. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the bomb. back bomb was never tested. That's right. The five bomb was never tested in the field because they had already used the two atomic bombs on Japan, which ended the war. God, what a story. Vince, you're full, uh, from what I understand, you're full of stories, man. This is great. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on today. So the, the other story I pulled out for you, now this is a, okay. a controversial story, obviously. And All right. Um, and there's, there's a lot of, this is the one that is more more theory than actual um, reality, okay? Some people claim that this was done, that these experiments were carried out. And, and, uh, the, the, and this was a KGB-funded experiment. I already did two U.S.-funded experiments. So I thought it was important that we kind of cover, um, you know, one of our enemies at the time. I agree. You know, during Vince, the Cold War. Vince, I need to take a very quick two-minute break. Uh, can we come right back after okay. that? and? Get to part three? No problem. Excellent. We'll be right back with Vince Wilson with the family. It's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done? At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Once we have a good understanding of that, we'll try to solve their financing dilemma. We won't take a cookie-cutter approach to any financing situation. Wonderful. So if I need cash to expand my podcast, you got a plan for me, too? No. <laughs> God, thank you. I see where this is going. Well, we love working with you. We can help any business, including a podcast that's already very successful. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. You I still are. never liked you, though. You are. No, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't. Like <laughs> you. 
Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. (laughs) Is this Spy Batman? (laughs) Spy well, they didn't have a bat bomb song. No, <laughs> no, we no didn't have bombs. a bat bomb song. That's true. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Vince Wilson, our very special guest, telling some very interesting, very interesting <laughs> stories about how the world works. Uh, we love these stories, Vince. So, so you had uh, your third story was. Yep. So the the third story was, as I was mentioning before the break, was a one that is. Um, maybe so classified information regarding the reality still has not been released. All right? It is a controversial topic, to say the least. Is it possible that scientists had actually done this? There have been reports in China that successful experiments in this regard to build an army of super soldiers, for lack of a better term, an army of hybrid, uh, I don't know how you would put this, creatures, you know, that walked on two legs, that their genetics were only half human, the other half, of course, being chimpanzees. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, chimps that and men. Right. So, <laughs> so we're going backwards here. There, there have been two reported cases of attempts by two actual world governments, major superpowers, no less, attempting to hybridize hybridize humans and chimpanzees, or in some cases before, you know, this is some of these tests took place decades before we understood chromosomes and DNA the way we do today. But as you know, or may not know, chimpanzees share 95% of human DNA, right. all right? The uh, Bobondo or, um, uh, what is it, the, uh, uh, it's a miniature, it's, like, it's considered a, um, I forget the term for it, but anyway, it's a smaller chimpanzee, and that has 97% human D- DNA match in its chromosomes, its DNA, all right? So... Um, the first reported attempt of this was by uh, Ilya Ivanovich Ivanovov. Was the first person was. to attempt to create human chimp hybrid by artificial insemination. He outlined his oh. idea as early as 1910 
and a presentation to the World Congress of Zoologists wow. in, in Graz, all right? In the 1920s, Ivanovich carried out a series of experiments culminating in disseminating three female chimpanzees with human sperm, but he failed to achieve pregnancy, all right? He then moved on to human female volunteers. What? So oh, that's God. <laughs> That's right. Um, he, he, he was able to cross out 34 inseminations. Six resulted in pregnancies, only one of which what? ended in successful birth of a camera, the cross between a male uh, guanaco, female. Uh, so, so, yeah, so there's, <laughs> there's uh, it didn't result in a birth, thank goodness, right? Um, but the, his experiments were delayed by the death of his last orangutan. Um, but, you know, apparently he had other animals, but for some reason, the death of orangutan really upset him. Uh, the next year, he fell under political criticism, for obvious reasons, from the Soviet government and was sentenced to exile in Kazakh's SSR. He worked there at Kazakh, the Veterinary Zootechnical Institute, and died of a stroke two years later. Mm. Yeah. So, there, so there's rumors. That in the seventies, in the seventies, that China itself had been working on similar experiments to create a um, a hominid, you know, hybrid, you know, of ape and human through artificial insemination, and perhaps even later on with the advent of DNA technology, increasing cloning being available crossing those in order to create an arm an unstoppable army and the and the like the the kind of things you would think of from Planet of the Apes. But I don't understand why it, this would result in an unstoppable army. I mean you just throw them a mango and they get distracted. Chimps <laughs> uh, are actually very they're very strong and very violent. Mm-hmm. Yeah but yeah, that's correct. A gun, you know, they would, they the, wouldn't be a very... chimpanzee is is three to five times stronger than a human man. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's the, uh, still an animal. I mean, you're not gonna. Uh... It'd be difficult <laughs> to train. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. I don't know. No, I do have to tell you something, Vince, and I'm very serious uh, about this. I've got a 32-inch inseam and a 37-inch sleeve length. Do you think I'm one of those monkey boys? Hmm, that explains a lot. <laughs> I actually have the same measurements myself. I have six foot four inches tall. I have a thirty two inch inseam and a thirty seven inch uh, arm length. But you know Honest to God, it's just I am a monkey man. There's no doubt. It's been pointed out to me several times. You know, you're kind of a monkey man. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, I just I uh, don't know. So so they would <laughs> Because they were so strong, this would all be hand-to-hand -hand combat? Is that what they were talking about? Well, I think they wanted to do is they wanted to have their best objective, you know, if the experiments had concluded. And some say that the Chinese actually succeeded and destroyed the evidence. Um, that the, their best hopes were to have a soldier that was um, had human intelligence and ape strength. Human intelligence and ape strength. Then most likely it would be the other way around. Yeah. No, no, yeah, no. The bad thing would be if it had human strength. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> monkey intelligence. Monkey intelligence. 
<laughs> you know that's what's going to happen. <laughs> well, no, because, look, basically, I, I, his name is Kendall Norberg. So <laughs> he's, he's my, my best friend in the world, and he is also, well, at his office, he's the vice president or one of the directors of a, of a, a company, and in his office, his professional office, there is a picture of a silverback ape that was given to him by his co-workers because they said he reminded him of a silverback ape. So that's real nice. So yeah, Vince, when, when Kendall and I walk down the street, it's like monkey time. There's no doubt about it. It's just unbelievable. These are great stories, Vince. How, much, how long did you have to research all this? To, you, you find these things. It's amazing. Well, the, a lot of it is some of the information, in fact, most of it's available online, of course. There's, there's several books on it, um, and there's uh, some documentaries that cover some of There's a great show that came out. It was hosted by, I don't remember the actor's name, but he, he, he was the star. He played the crazy scientist in um, that show, Fringe, and he hosted a show called Dark Matters. And at least two of these stories appeared on there. Oh, okay. Um, the, the rest of it, yeah. So the rest of the stories, you could probably find a lot of details. I tried to get some juicy extra bits from you for you tonight that might not be available on a lot of the other shows out there for your show today. Um, but yeah, you can, you can research a lot of this online. Um, the Bat and Acoustic Kitty are both available on Wikipedia. <laughs> they don't get everything in there. Poor kitty. <laughs> um, and of course, they don't get everything in there, like I mentioned in the show. But it, they're on there. Um, so yeah, these these are uh, generally available to the, the public. Um, you know, th through books online. There's a few podcasts that cover strange history that you probably listen to that would cover a couple of different. I think it's wonderful. I'd love to have you back on talking about this, Vince. This is terrific. Oh, absolutely. Um, I didn't even get a chance to go into uh, Edgar Allan Poe's, you know, the theories behind the death. Oh, wait yeah. a minute. How much more? Do you do you have five more minutes? <laughs> yeah, I could probably do five more minutes. Oh, if you I don't mind if I can't look at my notes because I'm driving. But uh, Oh, well, I don't know if I want to distract you while you're driving, Vince. Or get no, you a no, ticket. I've, I've got Bluetooth on. So oh. You're fine. All right. All right. So, yeah. If you, <laughs> so, um. So, so you were talking about yeah. Edgar Allan Poe. So Edgar Allan Poe died under mysterious circumstances in 1849. All right, his uh, death day was January 19th. If I'm not mistaken, you might have to fact find that. I'm pretty sure that date is correct. Um, he was only 40 years old when he died. He was discovered um, in front of a voting hall, or actually reading his evidence. And, there, and believe it or not, for evidence always out even to this day recent evidence suggests that he died inside the voting hall not outside the street or the gutter like a lot of people right. have claimed uh he had found this is a more interesting story i guess to say he was found in the gutter but no he was actually found inside the voting hall the area in Baltimore now known as little Italy. he was disheveled slurring his feet uh, kind of uh all over the place in the speaking, uh, no one could figure out what he was saying. He asked for a friend of his who was calling out a name that no one recognized. Other things happened. And he died three days later at Church Home Hospital in Baltimore City. All right? So a lot of this is uh, very strange, uh, very unusual. All right? Um, now, of course, you I'm sure you've heard that he was a drunk and an opium addict. Right. 
womanizing cad, as they would have said back then. Cad. You know, uh, but most of those stories are not true. Um, Poe actually had a literary enemy named Rufus Griswold. And it, it, doesn't that sound like a bad guy's name? <laughs> yes. Like yes, it does, actually. If you're, if you're trying to think of someone, you know, just by the name alone, he would, you know, you would clearly identify him as the murderer in a, mystery, a bad mystery novel. You know, Rufus Griswold. Well, Rufus, um, you know, hated Edgar Allan Poe. He hated his talent. He was a very jealous and envious man. He was, he was, a, he was a scoundrel himself. He took bribes. Uh, from poets and writers to appear in his collection of literary works that he published. On the, uh, I think I think it was an annual volume or something like that. But anyway, um, he hated Poe because he believed Poe had written a negative review about one of his books under an anonymous name. Uh, Griswold hated Poe so much that the day he died, he actually published anonymously, like a coward, in a, lo- in a local newspaper that Edgar Allan Poe died today and the world is a better place for it, basically. Ooh. You know, cool. and, and, we're, and no one's upset about it. Everybody <laughs> gets to paraphrasing the comments. Um, so it, it, that kind of went on for a long time. In fact, Griswold uh, went on to actually write Poe's biography and scammed his aunt out of the rights to Poe's works. So he can include the biographies in front of every volume. And uh, in, in, the, in these uh, biographies, he wrote up that Poe was an alcoholic, that he was opium addict. And that he, he was a womanizer and liar and plagiarizer. All right, none of these stories were true. In fact, Poe had a weakness uh, for alcohol. He was that he couldn't drink very much before he got sick. He was not, all of his friends said that he never was known to take any kind of drug. Um, you know, he considered himself a sophisticated uh, man about town. Mm-hmm. He would not have stooped to that level of uh, you know taking illicit drugs or anything like that. Um, and also, he was very happy with his, the way his brain worked, despite being known for being depressed all the time. Um, so, there is some a lot of theories about how Poe died. All right, um, there's the four most prominent ones are uh, these popular ones are tuberculosis. You may have heard that before. Mm-hmm. Your study of Poe. Of course, his first wife, his most beloved wife, uh, Virginia Clem Poe, died from tuberculosis. Uh, it was a horrible disease um, called consumption at the time because it consumed you from the inside out. Um, it caused you, to, caused you to wither away and cough up blood. It was, it was horrible. And uh, Virginia died from tuberculosis, TB, consumption. All right. Another theory is that Poe uh, died from uh, a scandalous kind of voting fraud at the time called cooping. Uh, this is a very popular theory with, uh, you know, Poe historians that he was kidnapped and forced to vote for a candidate over and over again under in different disguises, different clothes. I might explain why his clothes were different, why he was found at a voting hall inside, um, that he was uh, – he, he if you think that voting is weird today and it's full of fraud and scandal, it was worse back then, trust me. Um, and then that would explain the situation he was, and he was, uh, you know, given an overdose in order to try to get rid of him because he would have fallen. Uh, that's a very popular theory. Another theory is that he was murdered, perhaps, by agents of Rufus Griswold or another enemy of his. He had a view, all right? 
he ha- he might have had gambling debts at the time. He was he also had possibly two thousand dollars on him, which is the equivalent of uh, two hundred thousand today, um, because he was trying to collect money for a new literary magazine called The Stylist that he was going to have published. All right, so it's possible that he was murdered for his money or murdered for revenge. And of course, the fourth one and the most interesting one, in my opinion, uh, is rabies. Believe it or not. Have you ever heard that one before? No. Andy's bobbing his head. Mm-hmm. He's you have heard, heard it. Heard yep. it? Oh, yeah, rabies is actually very deadly. Yeah, Poe wasn't known to be a lover of animals, a particular cat. He had a cat named Pluto, of course, named after the <laughs> uh, the the uh, Greek or uh, the Greek god of uh, or uh, Roman god of of death. Pluto was his cat, and he also was known to be cat street cat outside of his house in downtown Baltimore. All right, so um, he may have contracted rabies. In fact, there was a TV series that came out years ago called Diagnosis History, in which he would submit, if you remember that, if he would, would submit the symptoms of a historical death to John Hopkins Hospital and see if the doctors can figure out or conclude, you know, what was the cause of this historical figure's death based on these symptoms. Uh, but not given the name of the historical figure. So they would be, you would say, here's the symptoms of this person. We can't tell you who it is, but what do you, what is your idea about what killed them? It would be laid out like a bullet point list. This person had this, this, and this, and they died from this, and this. And they, there's, there's the, uh, the diagnosis doctors came back with, where once again, this person, they had no idea who it was, was rabies. Because, uh, uh, Poe did have trouble drinking water. That's one thing that's remembered, although most of the – in fact, all of the hospital records are missing um, from the, those that time period. We know nothing about what they wrote down in regards to his diagnosis. But we do know that he had trouble drinking water. Hydrophobia is a symptom of uh, rabies. What an amazing story that is so – Edgar Allan. I was going to ask you this, Vince. Do you know, I, I think Dylan Thomas was the guy that was found in the gutter, right? Dead. And I think a lot of people confuse the Dylan Thomas story because I, I believe they were both found in Baltimore. But I think Dylan Thomas was a guy that actually was found in a gutter and people just kind of crossed over information and decided it was Poe that was found in the gutter. So it's kind of like politics today. When they come on television, you know they're lying. <laughs> so that's that. <laughs> That is the yeah. Vince. I, I look forward to the next time we have you on. I love these stories. I think everybody loves these stories. It's you know, it's real history. Well, I'd love to put some more together for you and, and be back on again. Yes, let me know when you'd like to have me on. I, I'll cut some time for you. We will absolutely get that done, Vince. Thank, thank you very much for your time, Vince Wilson, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and no we, problem. Have a good day. You too, sir. Bye. Bye. We'll take a break. Be right back with the family. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. 
We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. I'm talking to Neil Sheehy, ex-NHL defenseman. Neil, you've had great success following the Nutrimost Wellness Plan. How much weight did you lose? Tom, I dropped over 63 pounds in 44 days, but more importantly, I know how to keep it off. That's great. What makes Nutrimost different from all of those other programs out there? In addition to my success, I have two brothers and two sisters who had great success on the Nutrimost wellness program. And collectively, we all lost a total of 222 pounds on the program. My brother and I were so impressed that we decided to open up a clinic in Plymouth. Find out how and why Nutrimos is unlike any other weight loss plan by attending the Nutrimos free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday, June 4th at Jake's in Plymouth. Nutrimos guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Register for the Nutrimos dinner or schedule your immediate consultation. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. We're rocking out, man. We are. I love the song, The Beautiful People, The Beautiful People. Every time I think of Edgar Allan Poe, I think of Marilyn Manson music. I don't know why. I understand that. That dark. I love that. Did you ever see the video for this? Yes. Those tall, ghostly figures. Yeah, I I had that. Well, that was very common in the 90s, especially with um, grunge rock and um, metal, that they would do this weird distortion with the lens and it made people look almost like a funhouse effect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, let's see, uh, Soundgarden did it a lot. I even think Nirvana did it in a couple of their videos as well. Oh, they did? Yeah, yeah. It's like this weird, wavy, kind of funhouse mirror look to them and it made them look taller and thinner and I don't know, it was weird, but yeah, that was very common in the 90s. I mean, they look like Slender Man, basically. Yeah, yeah. They look a lot like Slender Man. It's a very cool video. I, yeah, like mm-hmm. I said, Marilyn Manson is nuts, but I do like his music. <laughs> well, most of his music, not all of it, but you know. Uh, what is the opposite of nailed it? Netflix on Tuesday evening promptly removed one of the thumbnails it has in rotation for the reality competition. Nailed it. Catherine, you watch Nailed It? Uh, yeah, I've watched it, yes. It's <laughs> hilarious. I think it's very funny. Did you watch it? I, yeah, I, made, I, I think I made you watch it a couple times. I haven't watched it, but I've seen so many memes of the nailed it especially when it comes to it's basically it came off of pinterest Mm -hmm. and you know people do all these you know baking like cakes and stuff and they're elaborate yeah well they yeah they (laughs) they think that they're really good bakers and then then they have to create something that a professional baker created they have to try to copy it and it's usually just the most disgusting disaster well, yeah, like they'll have like a, a lamb yeah like for a birth of a baby they'll have like a, a lamb cake and then the cake cake shaped like a lamb 
And then <laughs> and you have somebody who tries to do it at home. It looks like something out of a horror movie. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very, it, so it can be very funny. Terrible. <laughs> well, didn't we watch the, I think you had me watch the episode about Halloween. Yes, the Halloween one. They were making Halloween cakes, and it was like, oh, my God, they were looking monstrous anyway. Well, and they kind of had to make it, like, sometimes they have to make a whole display. So it gets yeah. pretty elaborate. Yeah, it, it got a lab at all right. So anyway, Netflix <laughs> on Tuesday evening promptly removed one of the uh, thumbnails it has in rotation for the reality competition. Nailed it after the questionable composition was brought to the attention of co-host Nicole Byer. Uh, here's the deal. Said thumbnail uh, featured assistant director Wes, who sometimes appears on camera, and co-host Jacques Torres, Netflix is known to run A-B tests of different thumbnail images on its homepage, tailored to specific customers and their uh, established preferences, or merely to offer a variety of visual cues. The streamer has also been accused of uh, changing the order in which episodes are arranged based on the viewer's assumed sexual identity. What does that mean? I don't know. It means people are looking for a reason to be special. But... Uh, it said the streamer has also been accused of changing the order in which episodes are arranged based on the viewer's assumed sexual identity, but that's a whole other hullabaloo. I don't understand what they even mean by that. I don't either. I don't really understand that. I remember reading somewhere that at Netflix puts men on the thumbnails of its shows and movies a lot, but yo, this is nuts. Nicole Byer is nailed it. I love Wes and Chef Jacques, but come on, this is so upsetting. Oh, so they don't even have her in the picture. Yeah, the two guys are in the picture. Then there's a, I don't know, there's a cake or something. So some social media person is upset that there are men in a thumbnail, and we're all paying attention to them. Mm. Mm. Meyer at first responded with a series of tweets that questioned the thumbnail's composition, saying, if Netflix didn't sign my checks and give me a huge platform, an opportunity to showcase my comedy, I would talk about how disrespectful this is to me. A black woman and how black women are a lot of times erased from many different conversations. Oh I would talk about how it takes, uh, it makes me know my true value as a host of the show, where I work incredibly hard to elevate the material given to me. I would talk about how this is essentially whitewashing for more views. Well, guess who just made herself unhirable? Oh, yeah, I, pretty much true. Why would she? Why would she think that whitewashing for more views? Every show on television, every commercial. Look, if this were true, why is it that about 80% of commercials now contain at least one black person? Oh, yeah. White people are quite underrepresented in media right now. They are. So I don't it's understand. It's never enough. I don't understand what they They always need more. Well, I guess that's what it is. It's just not, not enough still. There are black people in every commercial you see on TV, just about, I would say, 80% of them, and maybe even higher than that. So if it works to sell products, that, this is why I bring it up, because if it works to have black people in your commercials to sell products, why would whitewashing it uh, raise the views? It would diminish the views, according to those figures. I don't know. I, I just don't know She's if anything is... that we shouldn't be paying I just don't attention know if to. anything's yeah. real anymore. I don't think anything is real anymore. I think there's no such thing as reality anymore. Yeah, just, People have lost yeah. their minds. I think the easiest way to get attention is to start yelling about yep. something and everybody's like, oh, my God. Uh. But, but there's there's no argument there. Again, white people are, are, and again, I don't give a rat's ass one way or the other, but white people are underrepresented in commercials and most TV shows now and all the rest of it. Uh, somebody asked me this question, and I said, I don't know. 
Um, and it was a black person that asked me this, by the way. He said, do you think, and then Catherine and I talked about it, do you think that Big Bang Theory will be the last pretty much 99% white cast of a show and ever again? Which is even arguable because half the cast is Jewish and they don't always identify as white. No, they don't always. So. Then you got... Uh, What's his name? Kapal. What's his name? Raj. Oh, Raj. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm so yeah, ninety-nine percent white. You mean one out of four? <laughs> I suppose that's a good way to put it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really understand why someone would say you whitewashed it to get more views when actually having black people selling your products works very well. I that doesn't make any sense to me. She wants attention and victim. I guess. Bucks. I guess you're right about that. It's just all about being a victim. Well, mm-hmm. and it could just be that the. Maybe the ratings are falling because how many, you know, cakes, cake well, disasters yeah, can I mean, you see before it exactly. gets to be like, yeah. you know. Yeah, I wouldn't care to watch that ever They again. should have exploding cake. bats. They should have exploding <laughs> bats. Exploding on. They should bat get exploding cake. bats. Look, <laughs> what we're going to have to sooner or later understand is the only way this is all going to work out is if everybody gets treated with respect. Not better, not worse. Everybody gets treated the same with respect and then shut the hell up all the rest of you trying to cause problems. Well, that's what we were talking about last hour with the cops. You know, I was talking yeah. about the, that cop at the beach was getting screamed at by some woman swear, sworn at. And down in Florida, I saw a very young kid swearing and screaming at a cop. And yeah. they just, they have to sit there and grin and bear it. They're mm-hmm. not allowed to do anything about it anymore. It is pretty amazing. And, that I mean, that's if you're not respecting somebody in a uniform with a gun that could arrest you and is trying to actually help, this cop was trying to help this kid find his bike. Yeah. He thought it was stolen and he's like screaming at this cop. I just, I mean, we don't respect anything anymore. No, we don't. There's just no respect. And what we all want Rodney be... Dangerfield was right. He was. Rodney Dangerfield had it nailed. We all want to be victims for some reason. I don't feel victimized by anybody, and people have actually victimized me. Uh, but I don't focus on being a victim like, God, people love to be the victim. I don't get that. It's an easy way to deflect people from your true failings. From your shortcomings. But if, but if, if you're, you're a victim, if you're, then you can't ever possibly be wrong about anything. Well, well I know, but if you're, if you're sitting there identifying as a victim <clears throat> and constantly portraying yourself as a victim, isn't that wouldn't that lead to some sort of depression? Or... Well, yeah, half, most of these people who do this are, they hate themselves and they hate everyone else. I guess. They I just get, hate right everything about, about life, yeah, which I mean, is why they have to constantly be doing yeah, very it's sad. seriously unhealthy to sit there and focus on yourself being a victim constantly. Yeah, the few, the few people I know who have a victimhood complex, every single one of them is depressed. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I suppose that is true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That would make sense. They all. So this is all about depression more than anything else. Well, it's a or way addiction. to addicts act that way too. A it's lot of a way times. to make yourself. It's an easy way to get uh, kudos for doing nothing, which makes you feel better yeah. about yourself. But yeah, deep down, they sense. know that it's all fake praise, which doesn't do anything for but, their depression. But, but in the moment, it's yeah. basically it's like it's almost like a psychological form of cutting. You tell everyone you're a victim. They make you feel better by heaping praise on you at the moment. And then when the praise wears off, now you're just a victim that no one cares about anymore. Well, the thing is, is that it, it balances, it, it, it screws up the balance of power. If I view you as a victim, 
poor Andy. Andy needs my help. Andy can't do anything for himself. Right. Oh, Andy, yeah. Andy. And, mm -hmm. and he sits there and goes, oh, you're right. I can't do anything for myself. I'm right. the, I'm the one who's victimizing yep. him all over again by pretending that he's a poor boy who can't yep. do anything for himself. It's just, it's a cycle that is not good. Well, that's why once their five minutes of fame wears off for being a victim, they inevitably just go right back to being depressed. I suppose that yeah, is true. Absolutely. It's, People it's, need to stop feeding into victim complexes. It's very unhealthy. And why do they? I mean, I, I just, again, it gives them a shield. It's is a warped sense of empathy. Yeah, I suppose that's You, know, you see a sad puppy or something, and you feel bad. It, it makes sense. But with humans, I mean, you know, a puppy probably didn't do something yeah, to make but itself they're helpless sad. and they don't have their own voice. But when people right. see humans, and humans often do make mistakes, but people don't see that. They just see, oh, sad person, how, how sad I should make them feel better. Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, half the time these people ended up doing them to themselves. Yeah, it kind of seems like that. I really wish we'd get away with that. Once again, why don't you look at little kids? Yes, I know their brains aren't fully formed and they're only this and they're not very mature, but they're always happy. You know, maybe well, you're always. overthinking it. Well, not, well, not always. <laughs> Little Miss Fonny is not always happy. That's true. No. Especially if things, yeah. No. <laughs> she she points, that no. She oh, points yeah. right at people. And she's, no. <laughs> if she's just in a bad mood, it could be just someone on the street. Well, no. That's true. Well, you're not lying about that one. That's, that's an absolute fact. Uh, yeah. Oh, funny. You're unbelievable. She is something else. Great guest today, I thought. Cam was terrific. Vince was terrific. I yeah. like the I like the stories. I like mm -hmm. the acoustic kitty. <laughs> kitty yeah. The acoustic kitty. Yeah, you oh, wonder... I looked it up, by the way, and apparently, according to the guy who, like, I think it was the director, it somehow cost $20 million. Oh, my God. To put a radio that... in a cat. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, that million. just doesn't surprise me. No, it does not. Uh, Somebody got rich off that lame brain idea. Pretty much true. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.